This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Here we go! Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 16 of the Emerald Flow Show. We are a podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. You can follow us at Emerald Flow Show on Twitter. And if you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. And if you're so generous, you can go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate to donate to the show. My name is Gerard Detroit, and I'm here with Paul Vosh. Paul, how are you doing today? Oh, yeah, doing pretty fine. Getting through the second half of summer now, so looking forward to my vacation that is coming up soon. Did you just have a heat wave over there? Yeah, it was really bad. It's, we had deg- we had like up to 30 degrees Celsius here. Uh, yeah, we had a, up to f- near 40 uh, yesterday and Sunday, but today it was only 24 degrees, which was incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice when it's that. It's like if it's like mid 20s to like higher 20s, that's still okay. But once you get like above 30, it just starts to become unbearable. Absolutely, I've never been so happy just to even like last week. There were days when it was like 28, and I was never been so happy for it to be like 28 <laughs> degrees. I mean, I know Canada in general is a bit colder but it's still in north america so i assume you have ac in your house uh, yes. yeah because yeah. we don't <laughs> right. so 38 degrees here with no ac is a bit different <laughs> yeah definitely for sure um so uh speaking i think of things that are hot uh i think the tournament season in japan is heating up actually uh we have the first uh, show of the royal road tournament in all japan occurred and it was, I would say, a pretty darn good show. Paul, what were your thoughts overall on the show? Yeah, I would definitely say this was really good. I would probably say this was either the best or one of the best Royal Road shows that we've gotten. Because I would say generally the Royal Road, like it's a solid enough tournament, but we rarely get something. Like generally the matches are in like the three-star range, I would say. But 
on this show we had two matches that like got above that and uh, like even the matches that might not have been as good in terms of like match quality felt important for different reasons so to me this was like a really really good show especially by Royal Road standards yep definitely and so um, we'll just have a couple of notes before we start the show I think very uh, relevant to all Japan is uh, first of all, I think this just happened like a day or two after our we recorded our last episode, and it was uh, announced that Ryoma Sukamoto, who injured himself again in training because he had torn his ACL, I think in last November, mm-hmm. he announced that he was leaving All Japan, and it made it sound like he might come back to wrestling at some point, but uh, he's it sounds like he's going to be out for quite a bit longer with his re-injured knee. Uh, this sort of has a shag. Uh, shades of uh, Tegan Knox, I think, in some ways, like injuring yourself as soon as you're about to like come back from injury. I don't get the vibe that he left on bad terms or anything like that. It was just like, well, you know, why stick around if I'm going to be useless for another six to nine months or maybe even longer? Yeah, it's actually the vibes that I got from this. Actually, I think you can compare it to someone that we have actually recently seen in all Japan, and it's OJ Shiba. When he left Dragon Gate because he was injured all the time, but still wanted to continue wrestling whenever he was actually healthy again. So I think this might be a similar, situ- similar situation. It's, yeah, I'm just wondering where he can actually get bookings once he's healthy again, though. Well, I'm sure he can. Well, I mean, he came from Animal Hand Maguchi Gym, so I'm sure he can network and at least get on some indies or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, in that case, yeah, he can definitely probably get some bookings uh, after he's healthy again but how long that will take who knows given that he has had two major injuries in like a very short time I don't think it's a huge loss but I did like his little like I mean he was basically like an Ishii like a short a short and stout guy threw a really good drop kick and I thought there was really good, like you know I thought he was going to be like a mid carter for life but I thought there was like a sort of place for him to be like a sort of a core like workhorse in the mid card that could sort of like be its sort of heart and soul type thing mm-hmm. yep um, yeah, I agree he had potential how much potential it's just incredibly hard to say because we just haven't seen that much of him but I mean given that he has had these major injuries and still wants to continue wrestling definitely shows that he has the passion for wrestling so that definitely is a good sign for his for how good he could be going forward but again like injuries could definitely be a major limiting factor for him going forward yeah absolutely and in some other i guess i would call it negative news paul did you see jake lee's comments in this interview he did i mean sometimes i question who is actually doing more work to geekify jake if it is actually all japan or if it is actually jake himself because it might actually be jake himself yeah so basically he was like oh i'm feel humiliated that i didn't get selected for the g1 because tanahashi said you know you should come to new (laughs) japan and stuff like that and just just so makes him just look so stupid see and people said i was overreacting when i said they can't make this guy triple crown champion again but like how could you make someone like this triple crown champion how can you make someone that is sad that he didn't get into the tournament of another promotion the top champion of your promotion like sorry you just can't i'm not saying you need to like push him to like ultimate like lower card status or whatever but like you can't build your promotion around a guy like this like i think we just have to accept this fact now 
Yeah, I think so too. Although I'm not convinced that the company necessarily sees it that way. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, they're still kind of like, I, like, yeah, I'm still afraid that they might make him, him in the Budokan main event. But at this point, I think it's, I think we've figured it out who's going to be the Budokan main event. Yeah. Uh, so the show was on August 8th uh, at Corken Hall. They drew 610 fans. Now, that's a little down from what they've been doing recently, but I went back and looked at some of the non-finals shows in uh, Corgan Hall because they ran three Corgan Hall shows over the entire course of the Champion Carnival, and they drew like 430 for like one and like 500 for the other. So I wouldn't call 610 that bad. I I, w- I would call it a bad number quite simply because they've drawn better numbers on Corrigan recently. Like, yeah, maybe earlier in the year they had some worse numbers than this, but just comparing to what they've drawn in recent months in Corrigan, this is a significant step down, like by almost 200 people. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I can see it. I don't think it's a disaster, though. Uh, it's definitely, like, it's definitely, if it's just a one-time blip, I don't think it's bad, but if that turns into, like, a continuous trend and that's a worrying situation but yeah i think just as a one-off it, it's not too worrying but just so compared check- to what they've like but that's what i mean like what they've drawn recently like it's definitely a significant step down from that now this isn't the most scientific thing but i checked the advanced sales for the uh the final show on the 20th and basically i go to like the lawson website and there's like like the different sections like ticket prices and then there's like a green circle meaning plenty of tickets a yellow uh, yellow triangle for like you know you know a few remaining and then like red x for sold out in that section and the show on the 20th is already like has more like red x's for like the premium seats and more yellow triangles for the other some of the other sections than this show already had so i do expect that to to draw well uh, yeah, I mean, it is still a final, so I think that one definitely has a decent chance of drawing a pretty good number. So let's get into the show itself. Uh, I don't really have much to say except on the undercard, except for um, I thought it was, uh, you know, there was a Voodoo Murders versus Yuji Nagata in Evolution match that ended in a, another disqualification when Suwama got disqualified. And yeah, that was about the only sort of notable thing. And we would see more Suwama later. So the first match of the Royal Road Tournament. I would think uh, maybe what, one quick thing I would say on that DQ is uh, Suwama refused to hit Kyohevara with a chair. And I will just say that, uh, I mean, not to spoil maybe later results, but like if Kento were su- mood, uh, if Kento was a mood, voodoo murderer, he definitely wouldn't have pulled back from that hit with the chair. Do you think Suwama was questioning why is he so violent? <laughs> Maybe Suwama was questioning why he was so violent because then he only hit the other referee. Like he, like it was. I don't know. To me, it was definitely a notable moment that he refused to hit Kyohei. Yeah, uh, I think we can get more into that later because I think this is all going somewhere. Maybe. Um, so the first, yeah. So Jake Lee defeated uh, Ren Ayabe in eleven minutes and fifty-four seconds with the D4C. I like this match. It wasn't as good as the next two matches, but I thought it was a really, really good showing from 
Ayabe. Uh, you know, this was his his biggest singles match that he's had to date in all Japan, and I thought he he stepped up to the plate really well. There's a great spot where he did like a drop kick off of the um, the turn or sorry the the ring apron uh, to the Jake on the floor. And I have to give a shout out to uh, Captain Lou at Captain Lou Japan on Twitter who coined the term Ayabe Leavers. As in you believe in Ayabe or you're going to leave yeah. because of him? No, you, you okay. believe in Ayabe. <laughs> Ayabe Leavers. Oh. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. What I actually really liked about this match is how much they played up how tall he is. Because... Because Jake Lee normally does, you know, like I think I remember him doing that spot with um, uh, with Irie in the Japan Carnival, where he basically for the lockup just raised his arm and dared Irie to get up to his level. Uh, and this time around, Ayabe was actually able to do that with Jake. And again, Jake is really tall. Jake is like 193 centimeters, I think. And I think it's very rare for him to not be the taller guy in the match. So I think that was a really nice dynamic that really showed off how tall Ayabe actually is. Yep, for sure. Although, you know, I didn't expect him to win or anything. No, absolutely but I not. Think, but uh, I think, you know, I think Ayabe performed well enough, and I think he's going to be a, a full-timer uh, one way or the other, whether he signs a contract or not, yeah. I think, going yeah. forward. I think maybe one thing for him, though, is that he still needs to get better at emoting in the ring, and that's something that I'm a little afraid of because... It's something that we have been seeing or we've been clamoring for Jake to do for years. And it's something that Ayabe right now also seems to be not very good at. But again, that's obviously like he's still really early in his career and he still has a lot of time to learn that. But just something to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. I would say that's like the weakest part of his game so far. And so the next match in the first round was Takuya Nomura defeated Atsuki Aoyagi in 11 minutes and 52 seconds with the dragon suplex hold. Uh, this was pretty awesome. Uh, it was basically like you would think, like Aoyagi flew around and then like Nomura like used his strikes and tried to ground him. And there were some like great exchanges. Aoyagi got a lot, you know, he certainly didn't feel like he was getting squashed. I mean, Nomura is technically a heavyweight, but I mean, he's really junior size. So it didn't look out of place or anything uh, for him to do that, but just a great showing from Aoyagi, I thought. Yeah, no, this was a really, really good match. And I mean, also like the size of Nomura. I mean, that's where it gets kind of confusing, right? With the difference between like heavyweights and juniors in all Japan, because Takuya Nomura is a heavyweight, but then his tag team partner is a junior, at least in all Japan. So yeah, it's, it's kind of confusing at times. Uh, but yeah, this was a really, really good match, and that's also what I thought. Like when I realized, like, oh, maybe actually the working standard of this tournament is actually a bit higher this year, because I don't think we've really seen matches like these in previous Royal Road tournaments. Uh, Certainly not in the first round. Yeah, especially not in the first round. Yeah, uh, and it definitely has shown, like yet again, like the growth of Atsuki Yagi that he was just like able to keep up with someone like Nomura here. And Nomura was also willing to give him quite a bit. And I think they matched up really well, where uh, Aoyagi was just flying around the ring and then Nomura was just beating the shit out of him. Like, I think I really liked that spear. I think probably my favorite spot of the whole match was when uh, Nomura hit a spear on Aoyagi and sent him to the outside into the guardrail. Like, that looked really nasty. Yes, definitely. 
And then uh, what I thought was the best match on the show uh, in another round one matchup, Nomura defeated Yuma Aoyagi in 15:50 with his new move, the Infinity. Uh, I love this. You could feel the hate. There's some pretty stiff, stiff strikes in here. Some uh, Aoyagi took a crazy bump off the apron as well from a spear from uh, Nomura. There's a ton of kickouts, and, and then so you know Nomura had to like go to the like Aoyagi kicked out of the uh, maximum, so Nomura had to go to the well and come up with a new finisher, which sort of looks like a burning hammer, basically, I guess. Is that what you thought it mostly looked like? Uh, kind of, not quite. Um... But, like, like, but he throws him more forward, but it's not like Bianca Belair's KOD where the person lands, like, flat on their, like, front. Yeah. So, so some, some sort of, like, hybrid between those moves, two moves, I thought. But, like, yeah, I would say definitely check out this this match if you like any of these guys and i think it's uh kind of more proof that they've got plans for nomura going forward yeah absolutely absolutely what i was actually thinking about when i mentioned it earlier that the standard of this tournament seems to be a bit higher because i was actually on this one i was thinking about is this the best royal road tournament ever or is the is this the best royal road tournament match ever at least so far because i was trying to think what other matches we've gotten in this tournament that have been as good as this one like a, there's probably something I'm forgetting there some final match with Kento the Jake Lee versus Kento in 2019 yeah that one is probably like really far up there as well but I think this one can definitely match up with that as well like this was just excellent stuff as you said you could really feel the heat between the two that's always something that's really important to me that like if there's like noticeable emotion in match and I think that was here as well it also still didn't feel like this was like the finish of the feud either. Like they still felt no. like they can keep going from here. Definitely. And Paul, uh, Yuma being that blonde, yay or nay? <sighs> I think he can make it work. Mm. I think it's definitely noticeable that he changed his hair. Then maybe that's something that we're going to talk about later. Maybe what he's going to do going forward forward or coming out of this tournament um, but I think generally Cameron improved like it is obviously like a change now so like it, it's weird at first but I think it's something that we can probably get used to relatively quickly right yeah it's, I think it means something coming up which is why I brought it up yeah. and then <laughs> in a not so great match the weakest tournament match on the show although there was an incredible performance in it Kento Miyahara defeated Taru in 15 minutes and 5 seconds with the shutdown German suplex hold which I have to say I didn't expect Taru to take (laughs) I thought Kento would would, uh, just finish him off with a blackout knee Uh, I mean okay so Taru the only wrestling moves he did is he did some kicks and he did a fire thunder driver they brawled around ringside leading to the legendary moment that basically, well, I mean, viral is a strong word, but it got a lot of attention where there was this little kid in the front row of the, like, the orange seats in Corican Hall, and Taru sees him, and he doesn't like, he sees that the kid doesn't like him, that he's beating up Miyahara on the outside. So he drags Kento over and then starts choking Kento right in front of this kid, and this kid <laughs> is screaming. His dad there, I think, 
sort of laughing at all of this because it's like you know this is the sort of thing you expect when you take your kids to a wrestling yeah. show right yeah i yeah, know yeah, i thought this was a really cool spot uh, and also kudos to both men from like fully capitalizing on it i guess they're both kind of starved for hearing an actual crowd reaction so when it's just a child crying in like a curriculum that is not allowed to make like like verbal noise otherwise i think it's very noticeable and i mean it was also right in the front row too so yeah and i mean they, they kind of went back to it later too or rather kent yeah, went back well, to it like that child suffered on that day <laughs> i hope they gave him a t-shirt after the show or got to get a picture with kento after the show ended. Yeah, i really hope actually there. that the kid has some talent for wrestling and is actually just like the person that just like retires kento miyahara in like 20 years or so <laughs> <laughs> it's just like you made me cry all 20 years ago in Corrigan and now I'm going to end your career <laughs> so that would be an incredible long term booking yeah. so basically what happened after the match is that like Kenta went over to the kid like being like oh hey like you know everything's okay I won type thing and then he so he brings Rising Hayato over and he talk about people tells, suffering you know, you know takes the shirt off of Hayato's, tells Hayato to give him the shirt off his back. He's look, pretending like he's going to give the kid the shirt, but he pulls it out of the kid, and then he, Kento puts the shirt on. He does this a couple of times and then just goes to the back. <laughs> Such just, a Like, move. who's the real... Okay, so who's the real heel here, really? Um, I mean, it's not Savama because uh, he didn't okay, get the referee. So, <laughs> so we got to talk about the post-match angle that actually happened before Kento taunting this child is... You know, Kento wins, does not have to join Voodoo Murders. Suwama comes over still and offers to shake his hand. And then Kento, like, waits on it and sort of teases like he is. And then Hayato gets in the ring and being like, no, Kento, don't do it. And then Kento throws Hayato out of the out of the ring, which at, th at this point I'm freaking out <laughs> because I'm like, oh, my God. They, we just got, like, this, they still did the stupidest thing they could have done. And then, and it, you know, they... They hold it for a couple of seconds, so you think Kento's turning, and then Kento kicks, you know, Suwama in the head, and gets Suwama gets chased out of the ring, and Kento's yelling at them, calling them idiots and and stuff like that, and so you know, Kento doesn't join, and then the the thing with the kid and Kento again happens after that. It was a <laughs> quite the finish to the show, I have to say. Yeah, it's, and again, I think you brought this up before, like where you're wondering. Is this going to lead to a Kento heel turn at some point down the line? And I, I, I beforehand I was like probably not because they're probably going to wait a bit longer until they build someone. But now I'm like not so sure. And to be honest, so, I wouldn't have an issue with a Kento heel turn by himself. I would have an issue if Kento is like just a member of Voodoo Murderers under Suwama, because that goes against the entire, like, because okay, here's the thing. So like the really the basis of Kento Miyahara's character pretty much the entire time since he's become the ace of all Japan is, yes, he's technically a face, but he's also a douchebag. He's also a self-absorbed douchebag, which is why he always comes out first, which is why everyone keeps turning him on him all the goddamn time, because he's the Sun King and he will, he will tolerate no stars next to him. Like, he is the king right. of everyone. So if he turns heel based off of that and forms his own faction, that's different than him just becoming Suwama's underling. Right. And this is why I've seen people 
compare Kento to Sting because everyone turns on him, but it's not the same. No. Because Sting wasn't Sting was just naive. No, he's Hogan. He yeah. is Hulk Hogan. It's basically everyone that turns on Kento Miyahara is perfectly justified in turning on Kento Miyahara. Just like everyone turning on Hulk Hogan was perfectly justified in turning on Hulk Hogan. So I came up with this idea, Paul, what do you think of this? Kento turns on that Cork and Hall show the day after Budokan. With the title. Or like yeah. he has the title and he turns. Yeah. yeah. Um, they haven't announced anything for that yet. Yeah, obviously they haven't announced anything for that show yet. Well, I they've announced some of the people who will be on that show. We'll, I which think we're we'll, about to get to in a second. Yeah, I think we'll get a good idea if that's going to happen when we actually know what match he's going to be in on that show. So my only concern about turning Kento, and I'm not really that big of a fan of it, is that I don't think like, okay, so Jake's still technically a heel and he's a geek. Mm. Nomura's a heel. And we don't, they, they, I don't know what they have him on him. Is Yuma ready to like be the top baby face? It definitely feels early to pull the trigger on him, especially if there's like no other reasonably large baby face. Because yeah, as I said, everyone else is a heel that is kind of a, Upper guy in the promotion, really. I'm and trying it would to essentially think. be the Aoyagi brothers as the main faces of the promotion. Yeah, it really is. Like, who would be like the second biggest face after Yuma Iga? Yeah, and it probably would be Atsuki Aoyagi. I mean, the downside of that is as well, like, if you turn Kento heel, then everyone else is also heel. Like, who do you have challenge for the belt? Or do you then immediately have him lose the belt to Yuma. But again, that doesn't make sense if you just made the big if you just did the big heel turn with him. Oh, I think Kanto should lose the triple crown to Yuma after this if okay, so like we're all convinced uh, we should preface this. We're all convinced that Kanto's winning this tournament now. It's not gonna be Nagata. Yes, no, right? no, no. It's it's I think it's very obvious at this point that he's winning the tournament. Like it, that you also get that when you like look at all of the like setup matches and everything. Like it's like the whole story is built around Suwama and Kento. Like it doesn't make sense yeah. for anyone else to win this tournament. As soon as they did that angle in Osaka last month that set up like the Taru match, I was convinced that Kento was, yeah. was winning the tournament. Yeah, the only doubt I had about it is like, okay, is this maybe the dumbest promotion in the world and are they just gonna force Kento to join Voodoo Murderers? And but like the moment, like literally the moment, like but like literally the moment like the hand hits the mat to count free. And the, map, the main event was over. I was like, okay, so Kento's in the main event of Budokan. Like, he's winning this tournament. Yeah. I was pretty convinced that Taru was not going to kick out of that German, that shutdown German suplex. Not because they oh, wouldn't yeah. book that, but because he physically couldn't. <laughs> no, that too. I was like, maybe they're going to pull out the ref or someone. But like, I, I was like, yeah, literally from the moment he went up for the shutdown and went down. Like, I was like, yeah, okay. Kento's going to Budokan. Well, especially because the way they did it. Because Suwama was sitting at a table like uh, ringside. Yeah. And then Kono got hit with the powder. Yeah. So there was no one to say, like, you know, do any of that bullshit. And there was actually a shocking, like there was interference. Like they beat up Kanto a bit at the beginning and then there was some failed interference, but there wasn't, not, there wasn't nearly as much interference in that match that I thought there would be. No, 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 there really wasn't. Like I thought it was noticeable too. I mean, maybe they just didn't want to like muddy up a main event of Gorkin, I guess maybe. But then again, they yeah. did that, just did that in a triple crown match. So, yeah, it, it definitely was interesting. And like like you said, like it wasn't a good match, but I was definitely emotionally invested in a match, I will say. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, so we had a number of big announcements, and I would call them big announcements on the 
the show for both Budokan on the 18th of September and then the Corrigan Hall show we were talking about on the 19th. So Joe Doring's coming back, Paul, the eager, you know, that's something that everyone's been eager for, and that's yep. great. Impact superstar. But Paul, then they announced Christopher Daniels is coming to work those shows. The forbidden door to the Royal Road <laughs> has been opened. Yeah. <laughs> I know I saw some, I mean, we're actually going to do like a question section later, yeah. but maybe we can just preempt one of the questions for here. Which oh, we'll was... get to it because okay. I, I think we'll, we'll then like, because we'll get bogged down on that one. Okay, so yeah. I could go on. I've got a lot of thoughts about oh, okay, that. Okay, okay, okay. So then, I mean, I'm just going to talk about in general what I think about like Chris Daniels on like All Japan. Like, I mean, he can still go. Like he has slowed down now, finally, after like, 30 plus years or so of just being an excellent wrestler but i think he can still go to a decent degree so i think he's definitely going to be a fun addition to the card and during as well i think like like he is a part of the history of all japan so i think it's nice to see him come back for the big anniversary show oh absolutely i'm really happy that he's back for that show yeah it's do you think though that he is going to is, it, is this a one-off for him, or do you think he's going to be coming back like a little bit more regularly going forward? I hope so, but I don't expect it. Yeah, I'm also not positive on it, because he just doesn't seem like a guy that wants to take that regular flight to Japan anymore. Not under these conditions either. Yeah, yeah, that too. And he's slowed down too, right? Like, I yes. liked his match against Josh Alexander, but he still wasn't Joe Doring of a few years ago. No, 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 he's definitely not, like, 2015 Joe Doring or like yeah. 2018 Joe Doring. Now, so. Paul, he hasn't been announced to the show, but do they put uh, Zeus on the other side of Doring in whatever match he's in? Yeah, I mean, I'm fairly certain Zeus is going to be on there. It would be very weird if Zeus wasn't on the yeah. show, to be honest. Uh, so we have a bunch of other details. The Saito brothers are returning from their excursion to America and Europe. Um, so I, you know, ideally, I if if... I had my choice. I would just have him squash uh, Toshizo and Minoru and win those All-Asia tag titles. I was literally just about to say the exact same thing. So, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. Because, again, with those two, you can't go slow because they are already in the, uh, like, they're already in the second half of their 30s. Like, they're... F- are they still 36 or 37 they... now? No, they're 36, yeah. Okay, so they're they still are... 36. Yeah. yeah. But again... You have to do something with or them 30, now. No, wait. I think their birthdays are December 86. So they're turning 36 or something like that. Okay. But like regardless, like you have to do something yeah. with them now. So you just have to pull the trigger with them, have them win the All Asia Tag titles in a really dominant fashion, see if they can go from there, if they can get reactions, if they can draw, if they get better in the ring. And if they don't, then I don't know, you can just quickly end it as well probably but if maybe if you have something with them here you have to try with them now yeah for sure and then uh super rookie i guess suwama's large son uh yuma anzai will be debuting and i have to say he looks like he's got that look of a future star yeah might be like a bit you know but he looks like the kind of guy that they would push as a top guy yeah it's and just how much of a big deal they've had they've made out of signing him as well and how much yeah. Suwama has been gushing about him too. Whenever he's asked about him, I think that he's definitely going to get all of the chances he needs to succeed in this company. 
And so, and Yuji Nagata, Tiger Mask, and Minoru Suzuki have been announced for both shows, which I think was, well, at least Nagata and Tiger Mask I expected. Yeah. Minoru Suzuki, I actually kind of half expected to be on this, on the show as well, after he was on the, uh, was it the, the Giant Barber Memorial show? Yeah. And then he was in the main event of that um, six-man, the show that had the six-man yeah. tournament. Yeah. So... Like I'm not surprised that he's at the show. So and definitely a nice addition as well. Uh, yeah. As well with Tiger Mask. I mean that's not on the Budokan, but uh, another match that was announced was Tiger Mask and Kento versus Suwama and Black Tiger. And that actually was another spoiler for me for a match yes. for Budokan, unfortunately. So it's not. I think at Paul, this they, point we can they, say they it's announced not that be... at the beginning of the show, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. Or or before the tournament matches, which was so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, New, New Japan would have never done that. No, but I mean, it didn't just spoil the outcome of the Kento match. It also spoiled kind of a the outcome. I mean, we know that Omori wasn't going to win, but unfortunately, I think now that means that Atsuki is not going to be in a junior title match at Budokan. I think it's going to be Tiger Mask versus Black Tiger. I, you know what? I didn't think of that, but you're right, and that's so. Stupid. Yeah, it's the. I know. Like I, I've, I've gotten over it now because it's been a couple of days since I figured this out. But yeah, if this hits you fresh, it's like, oh I, no. <laughs> I didn't like Tiger Mask ending Sato's reign, and I hate this even more. Yeah. Now that, like, oh God Almighty! Um, I mean, we'll we still don't know who this tiger, who this Black Tiger actually is. I think it's. There's a black tiger that's been I can't remember his name, but he he teamed with Takaiwa sometimes mm-hmm. on the Indies and I think maybe in Genbare a couple of times. I think that's who it is. I mean, but, but is I'm, there I'm also a chance sure. that this is actually like an actual all Japan guy under the mask? It's possible. I don't know. Because like I think we'll probably be able to figure it out relatively quickly when we actually see this black tiger wrestle. Yeah. If it is actually the guy from the Indies, or if it is actually just again, yet again, just a completely new guy under the mask, uh, which I think that very heavily influences how I think about it. If it is just like an actual All Japan guy under the mask, then I have a little less of an issue. If this is just literally a random guy from the Indies that they bring in and have them like in a junior title match at Budokan, I think that's kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, so. Actually, there's, we'll get to it in a second, but there's something on the next show that hasn't completely killed my hope of Atsuki versus Tiger Mask. Uh, so I was going to ask you, Paul, do you think there'll be more announcements coming on the 20th at the finals? Yeah, I, absolutely. I would hype because oh. then by that point you can kind of like, because they can't announce some of the matches yet because it would spoil the fact that people got eliminated from the tournament right so like you're still going to get like announcements for like whatever like yuma and nomura are going to do like i would guess maybe they have another singles match or maybe it, maybe we're going to get another well, like atsuki and like another aoyagi's versus real blood match or something like that yeah oh and i forgot to say the first match of the budokan was announced it's the 50th anniversary special match masanobu fuchi atsushi onida and shiro koshinaka versus yoshiaki yatsu masao inoue and the great kojika <laughs> and this will be also refereed by keohei wada <laughs> i mean look it, it's it's an anniversary six-man tag match yeah like, oh yeah fine. i know <laughs> it's funny it's just like yeah. get get the old guys in there like it's it's okay. kojika is like almost rick flair level like yeah hard to watch though. yeah he's, he's 80 he's actually 80. Oh, jesus christ <laughs> and he had he got like covid like 
at the start of the pandemic and still wrestles. It's just insane. Yeah, I mean, uh, if he can still go now, then I guess it's, yeah, I don't know. Like like I said, it's just a six-man tag. Like, I guess maybe he'll tag yeah. in once, and, and that's probably going to be it's, it. It's so funny that Masao Inoue is the worker of this match <laughs> in terms of who can do the most. Oh, Koshinaka is actually, actually in pretty decent shape too yeah no but it's definitely it's a definitely a weird match actually the person that i'm very curious about what they're gonna do at uh at the budokan is jake you think jake is finally gonna get that match with tanahashi senpai who betrayed him so much yeah but he's gonna have to lose that <laughs> yeah i mean of course he has to but like it would just be funny if tanahashi just like yet again just is just like i don't know who this guy even is and then jake is just in like a random like six man tag or something We'll see. Uh, and, oh, I forgot to mention. Uh, so you think Junakiyama's showing up or no? I don't know. He just feels like he's kind of, like, it doesn't even feel that he's just done with All Japan. It feels like he's kind of done with Noah, too, because just works for, like, a related promotion and never, ever shows up. But, like, he just seems like he has just completely moved on and just doesn't really want to think about his past anymore. It would it would not surprise me if Akiyama might not want have things to do with certain things going on in Noah because he was there at one point. Like it was him and him and Mar Fuji mm-hmm. faced Kaito in Inamura at one point, right? That that was a match. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, he like, did. They did. They, they did do that match once. Yeah, but nothing else, right? No, he has he hasn't so. done anything else with Noah since then. Um, I mean, maybe he's gonna repay the favor and team with Omori. Yep. I mean, I could see maybe him doing that, but not nothing more than that. And that one's definitely going to be a one-off. Right. Uh, so, a couple other notes. So, on the next show, um, it will be Tiger Mask versus Hokuto Omori for the PWF Junior Title, and then Minoru and Toshizo versus Takao Omori and Ryo. In a way, which got canceled because. Uh, Minoru had a fever, but that's what moved to August 14th. And then it's Toshizo versus Black Mensa Ray for the Gayora TV title on August 16th. And Izanagi is also out with COVID, uh, I think, until at least the 16th. Um, so on the show that will probably air by the time all of, most of you listen to this, uh, we've got Shuji Ishikawa versus Cyrus. I think Cyrus is winning that. Yeah, thing that was really noticeable on the undercard of uh, Despastro, where yet again uh, Ishikawa was selling his ass off for Cyrus. So yeah, that convinced yeah. me even more that he's going to give him the win. Uh, Shotaro Shino versus Dan Tamara, uh, which I think the result is obvious, but yes. these guys had a really good match in December 2020 at Corican Hall that I really liked a lot. And Dan has, you know, sort of developed as a wrestler more since then. So I'm actually sort of looking forward to this. Yep. Yeah, I think this is a potential to be a really fun match. Um, Takao Omori versus Ryoki Honda. Now, here's the interesting thing. Honda pinned Omori in the six-man tag at Corican Hall. Do you think that changes the result? Because I assumed it was Honda. No, I still think Honda is winning because Honda is a champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Omori has never been someone that has been like coy about doing jobs. Right. No, no, not at all. So I think he would he would actually like want to use that opportunity to put over Honda. Yeah, that's a good point. And then I think 
uh, a big main event. Well, I don't know. They haven't announced the match order yet. Yoshitatsu versus Yuji Nagata. We we have gone back to 2006 New Japan. <laughs> yeah, evidently. So. I think the outcome of this one is also not really in doubt as well. No. I actually think this could be pretty good because I think Yoshitatsu will show Nagata respect and want to work hard. Um, yeah, I could definitely say that. I mean, again, that's with Yoshitatsu. It's like it's almost like a coin flip. Like you never know what you're actually going to get. And then as we said, got Tiger Mask versus Hokuto Amori for the junior title. Now here's the thing: this, the, we've got Kento Miyahara, Rising Hayata, and OG Shiba versus Jake Lee, Yuma, and Atsuki. And I would just, here's what I was thinking was going to happen: Atsuki pins Shiba, or maybe even Hayato. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out after, like, the junior title match and challenges for the title. I mean, again, I could see that happen, but I don't know. To me, the fact that they have this Kento and Tiger mask versus Suwama and Black Tiger, and if they're bringing in a Black Tiger, like, the only reason you have a Black Tiger is if you have a Tiger mask, basically. Right. So that, to me, is like, like, unless... Yeah, they don't really have time to squeeze in another junior title match, really, before Budokan. That's the other thing. No. Well, on the 20th. Maybe. Like, that might be the only way I could see them do it. But, again, to me, this Did is you like... you think New Japan yeah. gave them an actual number of... You must have this number of defenses before Tiger Mask can drop. I mean, it definitely title. feels that way because they've never really <laughs> done this many junior title matches in this short time. No. Like that's well, not. Kind they've of a done giveaway. two back to back, but they've really gone three very close together, which they have not done. Yeah, exactly. So that to me is kind of a tip off that New Japan was basically like, yeah, you can have him win the title, but he needs to have this many defenses. Mm-hmm. Which also makes why bring out like an outsider Black Tiger, so you're not burning off one of your guys. But then again, they've burned for a lot of their guys. <laughs> like that's the weird part as well. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't, it just gets worse every, like, (laughs) you know, development in this title reign. Yeah. Okay, uh, so some final notes. Uh, I listened to Tajiri on Rene Dupree's podcast, uh, so you didn't have to. (laughs) Thank you. It was not a very exciting interview. Dupree's not a very dynamic interviewer, as you can assume. Tajiri's English is actually not bad, but, like, he didn't really, because they were talking about his book. He didn't want to, like, give any like actual stories from the book, trying to get people to buy the book instead. So Dupree would like get other stories that he would start telling. And then, then Tajiri would talk about it. Uh, I just thought some sort of funny and weird things was Tajiri called super crazy fat at one point. (laughs) I feel like that was more like a, that, I mean, that feels like I haven't heard it, but that just feels like more like a friendly rib. Yeah. 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 But Yeah. But maybe he was mad that he took off to Noah. But we don't really know the story about that. I have a feeling that it was an agreement that Crazy would come in for a short run in All Japan and then go to Noah. Yeah. Because he just immediately um, went like to Noah afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and I thought what was sort of funny is he asks Dupree, he's like, who's training the young boys in Noah? Like he didn't know that. And it was Ogawa, mm-hmm. Dupree yeah, said. And I think we all assume that. Which I just thought was weird that he would didn't know that i don't know i guess like it's not like some secret or anything maybe he would have known who's i don't know it just seems strange that he was unaware of he like he probably knows who's training in the new japan guys right it's nagata and and those guys so i don't know just weird to me like that but also 
what I thought was probably the most interesting tidbit, uh, and this sort of ties into the question of who exactly is booking Noah, is that Dupree cryptically said, like, he said, well, I might not ever be back to wrestle in Japan. And he said he's got bookings in Europe in October once the N1 will be over. So Dupree was a Nosawa guy that worked together in All Japan, that worked together in Wrestle 1. I could see if it really is Kendo Kashin booking Noah, him, you know, not bothering to bring back Dupree. Well, what I'm wondering about, because I kind of have, because they recently booked two people that would point in the other direction because they're actually bringing back uh, Dragon Bane and Alpha Wolf. So, right. and those two are also like full on Nasawa guys. So what I'm actually wondering... Well, maybe they can they've... also work at a different level than... True, <laughs> than Rene Dupree. But what I'm actually wondering is maybe they've split it, that maybe they've kind of separated responsibilities for the juniors and the heavies. Where Nasaba might be the one booking the juniors and Kashin yeah, is the one I booking the heavies. That that, I could believe that too. Uh, that also makes sense. Okay, we'll just touch on this for real quick because it was the only one match I watched on the show. And Paul, you haven't watched it. The Zero One Final Fire Festival Finals from July 31st. I watched Daisuke Sakamoto defeat uh, uh, Yoshiki Inamura in 26 minutes with a... Um, Wrist clutch German suplex. This is an incredible match. It might be my new match of the year. Just like they hit each other really hard, of course, and they dropped each other on the heads with suplexes, and they threw each other the out each other outside of the ring really hard. And it didn't feel like it was twenty six minutes, and there was no very little downtime. They were constantly just trying to kick the shit out of each other. Like, go out and watch this match. Is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah, I actually will yeah. watch this after we're done recording here because, yeah, and, we've been uh, gushing over this match a lot. <laughs> and I think I got more angry after watching this match about something that we'll talk about in Noah. Um, so we'll move on to Noah. Uh, so we didn't cover the July 21st or 22nd Corkin shows. There wasn't really that much on those shows other than some more poor attendances but mm. i don't know what noah can really expect at this point drawing with this many people i will just say i thought the open the triangle gate match between uh nosawa Aita, and kotaro suzuki they defeated yamato um dragon kid and kajitora in 10 minutes and 18 seconds yeah wasn't as good as i thought it was going to be yeah well it just happened to be kind of an okay match i was also a little bit disappointed from this uh, the main event of Sugira, Fujita, and Kiyomiya defeating Shiozaki, Masato Tanaka, and Masakitamiya was pretty good. Uh, although Go did get injured in this match, but uh, thankfully he is back to wrestling. But you really should go and watch Daisuke Harada versus Seki Yoshioka from this show. Harada won, uh, but it was really great. Yeah. No, I mean, these are probably... I mean, they're definitely close. They might, but they're definitely like two of the like top five workers in the entire junior division in Noah, I would say. So I, yes. I definitely went in with like high expectations and they actually met them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next day, it was just a bunch of, um, you know, multi-man tags again. Yeah. Although I like the opener of Daiki Inaba defeating Kenya Okada in about seven minutes and 49 seconds. And the main event of like Keno Funaki Nakajima versus Kaito, Kojima, and Mochizuki was another really good match. But, you know, it was like a Noah show with yeah. all multi-man tags. Perfectly fine. 
Paul, did you see the show on the 31st? Because I totally forgot and didn't watch it. Uh, no, I didn't watch that one either. But what I will say about it is that the attendance for this one was really good, though. Yes. Uh, so this was also like like a quote unquote like show like affiliated to Hiroshi Hase. I believe he was at the show. Yeah. And uh, I know All Japan would also do these Ishikawa, these shows at Ishikawa Industrial Exhibition prior to the pandemic, and they would also they would always draw like quite well for like even All Japan in 2019 doing like 13, 1400 fans. And I wonder if this show had a sponsor because I think those All Japan shows featuring Hase here also had a sponsor so that's quite possible um yeah no but again it's just for me it's just more fuel to my fire of my talking point of right. like you need to get out of Tokyo and just go somewhere else because you can actually draw better because again this show drew more people than the two like the previous two like Korokan Hall shows combined <laughs> yes yes uh then we move on to uh August 5th I so I'll just point out what I thought was interesting. So Ogawa, Susu, uh, Yuya Susumu and Kai Fujimura defeated Nosawa, Eita, and Super Crazy when Fujimura pinned Nosawa after a, belt, a failed belt attack, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's definitely one of the first wins that Fujimura has gotten, I want to say, because I'm trying to think. Has um, gotten any other wins? The, well, maybe over like uh, Yano, Yasutaka Yano, yeah. maybe. But yeah, no, it was no. Yano would be a senior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'm trying to think. Like, I don't think he's ever gotten a win before. So, and it's certainly an interesting way to get your first career win. Um, yeah, a very no, like that Nosawa book. That obviously. Yes, yes. Booking the juniors for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, other matches on the show, I like. I like Nakajima and Soya versus Green and, Ro- and Stallion Rogers. I thought that was a pretty fun match. Um, Daisuke Harada, Ninja Mac, and Seki Yoshioka defeated Kotoge, Dante Leon, and Yohei. So we'll stop here just to say I can't believe they're bringing back Dante Leon. <laughs> I can't Dante believe Leon this either. In like so October, mad. <laughs> like, Out of everyone you could book, this is the guy you bring back. He's not the worst wrestler I've ever seen, but there's better like flyers on the like U.S. indies if that's what you want. He just sort of sticks out compared to everyone else and really in most matches they have him on like the other side of ninja mac and it's like him and mac doing their sequences mm-hmm. like so, this you know. just really feels like they're liking mac so much that they're willing to book his friend like that's really what this feels like because i don't really see another reason why you would bring this guy back yeah no i i don't know maybe they like him i don't know like it, i just can't see it like Nassau was weird like you know what can i say i mean maybe he um, just sees a kindred spirit in Leon, I guess. I don't know. They kind of have a similar look. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and then in a sort of fun, you know, special match, we had Kaito Kiyomiya, uh, El Hijo del Santo, and Ultimo Dragon <laughs> defeating Eno and Alejandro, defeating Keno, Tadasuke, Hajime Ohara, and Hiroki in uh, seven. It was only seven minutes and 53 seconds long with, of course, Santo going over by making uh, O'Hara tap to the camel clutch. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing slab packs from Arena Club 
Repack.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slap packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network yeah i mean what else i mean that's definitely like that was the only way this match could ever end like yeah there's no way fine. yeah i mean it was fine but uh yeah, uh, it's definitely what was more worrying for me was like the angles that they shot after the match where Keno was basically challenging Santo. And it's just like, given no given recent happenings and no, it's just like the jokes just write themselves, basically. Well, if Nosawa isn't, is only booking the junior division, I don't think we have anything to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> but if he's not, then we have to worry. Yeah, and I mean, like, again, I don't think anything will come out of this because we have the N1 coming up. Keno is not going to have a title defense before then. And he's not going to, like... Like, Santo isn't sticking around for that long. Like, Ken, like he isn't no. sticking around, like, past the end, like, for, like, months, he's, basically. Like he, Santo's happening. probably already left. And yes. It's just, like, one more booking after the uh, Dragon Gate Kogu world shows yeah it just seemed like everyone like got into like lucha mode because of this match and just started shooting their own angles like you would do on a lucha (laughs) show and then maybe it's gonna pay off or maybe it won't and then in the n1 um sort of qualifier match because uh, unfortunately timothy thatcher is having visa issues and is not gonna be able to participate in the tournament Kinyo okada defeated yoshiki and in 15 minutes and 18 seconds with a japanese leg roll clutch hold I thought this was good, but mm-hmm. it just never hit that like next gear for me. 
I don't know. No, it was also incredibly one-sided as well because it was basically like I don't like Okada got barely any offense and like trying to think what he even did like when I'm thinking back on the match I can only ever think about like all of the stuff that Inamura did and really just about the only thing that Okada actually did on offense was like the finish when he rolled up Inamura more or less so Paul what do you think is going on like do they really not think that much of Inamura or are they protecting him I think and have other plans and that's why he's not in the N1 yeah I think it might be that uh, I've also heard like kind of uh People say that they didn't want to put him in this tournament because he had just been in the Fire Festival and they didn't want him right. to have go for like two tournaments back to back. Yeah, that that will drain you. Yeah, so like, and after I heard that, I was like, yeah, okay, I, I can now. That, at that, that point, I was like, okay, I can actually see Okada win the match, and then Okada actually won the match. So I think that actually sounds reasonable. Where like he went to the finals of the Fire Festival, and. I think, yeah, I think it might well, be a combination. Well, had incredible match, I'll say that. Yeah, exactly. Like, it might be a combination of them wanting to protect him and also not wanting to, him to, like, do two tournaments, like, back-to-back to, like, say so he can save up yeah. his body a little. And then in the Naomichi Marafuji return match, uh, Marafuji, Go, and Sugera defeated Kojima, Masato Tanaka, and Deki, and Abba. Uh, when um, Go pinned Naba with the Lariat, most obvious uh, result ever, that won 17-56. I thought it was a pretty good match. Uh, you know, no six-man formula, good. Uh, Marafuji looks like Marafuji did before he got injured. Yeah, right? it definitely uh, feels like he rushed back from his injury. Yeah, but he doesn't look any worse. No. I don't know. But I think he rushed back because he's going on this U.S. trip afterwards because he didn't oh, want to lose right, his yes. U.S. bookings. Right. And they probably pay well, so... Exactly. Like, he probably is like, yeah. And now I'm feeling like because he rushed back from this injury and because he wants to make that money on that U.S. tour that we might see some sort of, like, I think he might be, like, I don't think he's retiring before Muto, but I think maybe, like, this time next year, we might see some sort of, like, Marufuji retirement show or something like that. Do you think that he is going to pop up in Impact, and that was one of the reasons why he didn't want to go out necessarily compared to just a bunch of indies? That might be the reason as well. I don't think he's going to AEW. No. Because, again, it seems to be like the one promotion that literally has no relationship with AEW is yes. is, uh, is Noah for some reason. Yeah, um, yeah, I could definitely see him pop up in, in, in Impact as well. Uh, I mean, but they haven't announced him for anything yet, whereas no. he has been announced for a ton of stuff on the Indies already. Uh, Marfuji's in that King of the Indies tournament. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Do you think we have another Dragon Soldier B situation on our hands? Maybe. I mean, I could see that happen. There's definitely some confused. There's definitely some... That tournament is going to be interesting because of, like, kind of uh, promotional politics. Because SP Kento is yep. in that tournament, too. Right. Well, I mean, I think those companies are working together so something can be arranged, right? I mean, so, SP I Kento know. definitely isn't going over on Marufuji, though. <laughs> That's no, not happening. No. <laughs> I love no. him, but, like, no. Come on. <laughs> and so the main event of the show, uh, Hayata defeated Shuji Kondo in 19 minutes and 3 seconds with a headache. Uh, well, I'll say this. I like this well enough, and I will say it was one of the better Hayata uh, title defenses in quite some time. That was all thanks to Kondo, though. 
Yeah, I mean, to me, it was just yet another Hayata title defense. And I mean, most of this was Kondo beating up. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> but no, I mean, Kondo was good in this, but it's just like, I'm just so over this title reign. Yeah, exactly. But uh, hopefully that doesn't match much longer. So everything coming up is the um, N1 tournament. It will start on Thursday, the 11th. First night uh, will be Kazuki Fujita versus Goshiozaki, Keno versus Ahiho Del, or Dr. Wagner Jr., Misaki Mochizuki versus Hideki Suzuki, uh, Masato Tanaka versus Anthony Green, uh, Takashi Sugera versus Kojima, Kaido Kiyomiya versus Jack Morris, Masakatsu Funaki versus Kinya Okada, filling in there, and Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Masa Kitamiya. Uh, and then I'm not going to go through the whole tournament, but just, Paul, let's look at the final night real quick, and then we'll do some last-minute predictions. Yeah. Final night, Go Shiozaki versus Hideki Suzuki. This is block A. Mm-hmm. Keno versus Kazuyuki Fujita. Masato Tanaka versus Hio Dr. Wagner Jr. Masaki Mochizuki versus Anthony Green. And then in the B block, Masakatsu Funaki versus Takashi Sugera. Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Kenya Okada. Kaito Kiyomiya versus Satoshi Kojima and Masa Kitamiya versus Jack Morris. So do you have any last minute sort of predictions or anything like that now here? I mean, for me, it's interesting. How is Kenya in a ter- being in a tournament? How is that going to change the booking? Because he's obviously not going to get the same amount of wins if he even gets any wins as, mm-hmm. um, as Fatra was going to get. What I'm actually wondering about if his one win might actually come here where he might spoil Nakajima. Yep, that's very possible. And then so who... Well, and Sugera spoils... I think Sugera beats Funaki here. Yeah, yeah. And, and because I'm I thinking... think the B block comes down to Kaito versus Kojima. Yes, and I think Kojima's winning, yeah. and I think Go's winning block A, yeah. and then Go gets his win back. Yeah, yeah. That's basically my prediction as well. But I was kind of worried when Go picked up that injury because to me, he's the clear favorite to win it because he's just never won it as well like yeah, think, well he's never yeah never won a global league either. yeah exactly like this feels like the prime moment to give him a big tournament win if you want to now give him i one. think i think go is losing that title match against keno yeah. and i think i i mean my idea I, ideal situation is is kaido beats keno on january 1st at the budokan yes i think that's just because the most you, logical story to tell Go full story from their match the previous year. Yes, exactly. Like you just go full circle. You have Kaito again, like overcome Keno uh, after he knocked him. Like because he literally got knocked out. Like it wasn't that he got pinned. He got knocked out. So I think that's just the best story to tell here. Uh, what I'm wondering though is if we're gonna get a Fujita title challenge out of this because he's facing Keno on the final night, and I think he's spoiling Keno as well. Yep. Uh, it would not shock me. There's like a one or two. Well, there, there'll be the defense against the winner, but I think there's still one more defense between that and January 1st in the schedule if you just go by the size of the buildings. Yeah. Because there's the Ariaki, I think, that Keno versus Fujita at Ariaki. That makes sort of sense, right? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, you're going to have to put a pretty decent Muta match on that as well. Yeah. Uh, well, also, Paul, they've brought out the Muta on in Osaka on September 
for that September 3rd final show. Actually, just very quick on Muto and Muta. So does the match that he had in Dragon Gate count as one of his five final matches, or have has he already gone back on the number of final matches he's going to have? He had a, there was already a, like 24 hours after the initial retirement announcement, he was already floating like five or six, despite saying five, at the Cyberfight Festival. So it's an elastic number. And actually, that's an interesting point. Like, does he? What are the chances of Mudo at the All Japan Budokan? I mean, that depends what his relationship of the promotion is right now. Because uh, he worked shows for them, like true. under. Well, that would have been the Akiyama thing, like in 2017, 2018. So I mean, it definitely would make sense for him to be on that show if you really want to make this like as much of the history of the promotion as he can get onto the show, basically. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe he doesn't want to do it. That's fine, I guess. Maybe. I mean, as may- long as he's not. Maybe if he doesn't want to do Yuma a match. on the show yeah. or something. I mean, if if he doesn't want to do a match, like you could at least do like an appearance where like you just have yeah. like him, Kawada, and like Kobashi, like standing in the ring and like waving at the crowd or whatever. Oh no, Taue. Oh Taue, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's almost like he keeps forget- getting forgotten as the pillar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. You can have those like in the ring, and you can like hold up like a picture of Masawa or something. So yeah, and Baba obviously. So what I was gonna, I was gonna say is, did them then announcing Muda at the um, the final show at Osaka Edion, does that like think they were freaking out about ticket sales? I could definitely see that. Um, seems a bit early because that show is still a while away. Uh, it's September third, so it's less than a month. Yeah, but. Maybe. I mean, it's definitely weird that it's like... I mean, like as, like we talked about before, where it's like... It's not like the Muto match, like at the Budokan, like why that didn't really help draw is because, well, it's not going to be his... Like, it's one of his last matches, but it's not his last match at Tokyo even. So this is being billed as his last appearance as the great Muta in Osaka. Yeah, that, that's a lot of qualifiers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, so I that... would probably... If I was... if I in Osaka and I think that I wouldn't be able to make my way out to the last Muta match ever I would probably buy a ticket just based off of that and the fact that it's the N1 finals obviously but yeah I don't yeah. know it's kind of hard to predict if it will help the show draw well actually yeah, is this Edeon like is this number one or number two it's, for yeah Eden it's Arena? number one it's number okay. one they wouldn't they wouldn't run number two for the finals yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're above that yeah, yeah. So at this point then definitely like for any, for... that definitely could, I, I could see that help drawing all right so that's pro wrestling and Noah and then we will move on to questions that we got off of the voices of wrestling discord in Twitter so we'll start with the discord uh, from Valky I think is how you pronounce it. Um, Paul, you're close to Central Europe. <laughs> I was Is in Prague. I was in Prague it? recently, but I don't speak Czech. So, Velkay, Velkay, Velkay. Sorry, buddy. Um, but I like where he starts with this. Why did uh, Yuka jobber uh, Hikari so hard? It made her such a geek, and now nobody will buy into her. I think TK should save her. What do you say? Well. I'm glad you asked this because this is a very controversial <laughs> thing. And I will say I enjoyed that Yuka Sakazaki versus Hikari Noah match. I enjoy Yuka as the grumpy veteran because I think she's actually going to end up losing in the semis. And uh, I was not a f- like people are freaking out that like she's burying uh, Hikari Noah and uh, that, you know, she was being unprofessional. No, it was just 
completely her just leaning into the grumpy veteran role. And I'll say this, and to be brutally honest, I think Hikari Noah has the least amount of upside of any of the up up girls. Okay, now onto the real question: How do you feel is Noah and All Japan positioned within the? Uh, wider Japanese wrestling scene and where do they stand at the start of 2023 if we assume borders and venue venue limitations open will Noah sell out their evening Korokins against Wrestle Kingdom I'm not asking what they can do because that is too peering much in the crystal ball but I think prediction of attendances for the New Japan shows if limitations go away is interesting thing to come back and see how wrong right you are I think Noah will do fine on the um, Wrestle Kingdom week Korokins yeah. because uh, like everybody does well <laughs> uh, for the sort of you know the January first New Year's like period in Japan, right? Yeah. I think maybe if we look at like the the New Year show, like the Budokan that they ran like this year for that, so they had three thousand eight hundred eighty one fans for that one, and I definitely think they can draw more than that. I think they can definitely exceed that next year, especially yeah. if you really what? have that like. If you properly build that Kano Kaito match that we kind of think they're going to do there, I think that definitely has a really good chance of drawing a pretty good number. Well, he's also asking about the Korokins against Wrestle Kingdom shows. Yeah. Which I think... He, uh, have they even announced two nights of Wrestle Kingdom officially? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they've announced that yet, but I guess so. But I think those Korokins will do fine. Yeah. Where All Japan will be... Well, I'll tell you, I think we're all Japan will be at the start of 23, 2023. We'll have a lot to do with how the Budokan show goes yeah. and how they book coming out of the Budokan. Because if it's Kento leaning around the voodoo murders, uh, I don't have a very good feeling about that. But if they pivot after Budokan to the, the, like the Yuma and Naoya and Nomura, then I think they will be. And I think this year's real world tag league will be actually quite good. Um, so that basically depend on how they come out of the Budokan and if they, you know, pivot to the young talent after Budokan is my opinion on that one. You know what, actually, you know what, actually I'm going to take a prediction. So, because for the, for the Noah Corricans at, uh, at Wrestle Kingdom, I don't think they will sell out, but I do think they will sell more than a thousand tickets for Corrigan. For either show. That's a pretty reasonable prediction, I think. Because they drew like, 400 and 300 something people this year for those but those were still with restrictions yeah uh so from prince first ask who is jack morris and uh buddy nobody knows well jack morris is a 20 year old wrestler from from dunfermlin five in scotland in the united kingdom he has a background in football uh, he has his in-ring career has been going since 2017, so he has an in-ring experience of five years. His nickname is Sublime every time, and he played in the second Scottish football league for Cowden Beef. However, you pronounce that. Oh, I did not know he was a soccer yeah. player. Okay, interesting. Um, and so, but really, uh, now that Okada is in the N1, also notes that they need to change that name, uh, no, which I agree. I, no, I highly disagree with. I completely disagree with that take. Really? No, because okay. I've I don't think there's a reason to change his name. Like I've never had any issue distinguishing between the no, Okadas. The N one. No, the N one. They need to change the name of the N one. Oh I thought Oh, I thought they had to change Okada's name. No, I think it Prince means the N one oh. name has to be changed. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> this because the N one came under when Ledette owned it and Ledette was 
totally doing the let's copy everything yeah. that New Japan yeah, yeah, is yeah. doing type owners, right? Yeah. I would maybe yeah, come up with like, I don't know if you can revert it to Global League now. It's kind of weird that you no. called it, like maybe come up with a new name that is more like Noah specific. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's a smart choice over Inamura or just to, a way to even out the differences in their spots in the cards? Well, we did discuss that, but I think that, you know, they're doing something with Inamura. Whether it's just protecting his physical condition by not putting him in another singles tournament is quite possible. Because, yeah, Inamura has obviously gotten more chance to shine, even though he's not as pushed as hard as I think he should be. I mean, what I will say, I mean, we've been banging on about this since we started the show is like, that they should do something with Okada and they're finally doing something with Okada. So I'm just happy that that's finally happening, even if it was born out of necessity rather than really will on their end. But maybe he just performs so well that they just have to push him coming out of this tournament. Yeah, that would be the ideal thing. And then also, have you noticed a change in Noah booking as Kendo Caution is supposedly, supposedly the main booker, or is it too difficult early to notice it? Um, I think I think the most likely scenario is that Kendo Caution's booking the heavies, and um, and then it's Nosawa with the juniors. And what I I guess it's a small thing, but Kendo Caution's sort of mixing up the teamings of the heavyweights in the like the main event six man tags on the spot shows. Before it was a lot more team based under Nosawa. Yeah, I don't know. That's he's definitely that's mixing up thing. it a lot more. Like he doesn't really pay that much attention to the stables. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, I think Keno winning, well, Keno winning might have to do with Mudo retiring, maybe. But I mean, I think Kendo cautions a little. What people think is that he's more open to the younger talent. And so the N1 will be a good judge of that, right? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, we'll know if you get a very different booking styles in the N1 will be a really good way to know if Kendo Kashin is booking the heavies. Yeah. Next up, uh, Rika Tatsumi. Uh, thank you very much for the question, Rika. I loved your match against Suzume. Uh, is NXT Japan back on the table? And who will be your next NXT Japan ace? Uh, well, I don't think so, but never say never with Paul Levesque in charge, and it will be Jake Lee. Um, I'm definitely somewhat afraid that it is back on the table, because last time it was on the table, there was the rumor that they were just going to buy like All Japan and turn it into kind of NXT Japan. Well, they, all, they tried to buy, what, Dragon Gate yeah. and Noah? Yeah. And... Which, again, that's the whole reason why Noah is owned by Cyberfight in the first place. Yeah. Um, and But then, obviously, like, the like all Japan rumors were also very much tied to like that Jun Akiyama was the person that wanted to sell to uh, because yep. he was also supposed to be a coach and that's obviously off the table because he like A he's no longer involved with all Japan in any way and B he's the coach at uh, DDT now so I think it's still on the table it's just at this point like who which promotion would they even have a relationship with with that would allow them to do that because again there's also a lot of people in Japan that are in Japan that are in power positions in Japan or have like influence at the very least that they no longer have a good relationship with like see uh, Suzuki who they fired they fired Kendo Kashin like I don't think he wants to anything to do with uh, with WWE anymore so and again to me the Jiro other thing as there. well is like how much is like Paul Levesque actually wanting to like 
do big investments right now because I th- I think well, I think Paul Levesque has plenty on his table. Right yes, now. exactly. Like he has to like. But, but I would I, w- I would say this, an NXT yeah. an NXT Japan is slightly more likely than it was you know before Vince left. Yeah, it's no longer zero percent percent, but now it's like zero point zero 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 one percent because. To me, just every sign points to them just gearing up for a sale. And if you're gearing up for a sale, you're not starting like, like this would be a very capital intensive investment to be making right now to start a completely new thing in a different country that you haven't been active in before, create like a completely new subsidiary. You have to buy a ring, you have to buy all kinds of like, set up all kinds of like facilities, hire people, like that costs a lot of money. That's not something you're doing when you want to sell. It's it's also not worth doing until all pandemic restrictions in Japan are, are lifted as far as I'm yes. concerned. Yes, absolutely. Also. It doesn't make sense right now. And in theory, if NXT Japan would start, who would be the ace? Uh... Zero. <laughs> well, that's sort of the interesting connection to uh, um, all Japan is there's still Tajiri around, right? And he's you know close to Jiro. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. So we move on to the Twitter questions, and I think this first Twitter question is a great question. It is the question that I think are on is on everyone's mind on some, in one way or another from uh, Tanisa Saria at ten four one zero with the news of christopher daniels coming to all japan what are the chances we see kento miyahara on an episode of dynamite well it's a lot higher than it was last week although i think actually you're more likely i don't think it's impossible by any means but i think if that happens you're more likely to see a yuma aoyagi or or even a yuma anzai on dynamite paul I still think it's pretty unlikely just because AEW already has so many relationships in Japan and it just seems they seem so much more focused on their uh, relationship with New Japan compared to all of compared to their relationship with DDT for example like it seems like they really only wanted to get the cash out of the DDT relationship Uh, and then otherwise they really want to focus on New Japan because that is just the more prestigious company to have a relationship with it is more likely now. Think... I still would consider it to be pretty unlikely. Like the thing that I, if it was just some random person from AEW, I would consider it to be really unlikely. Now it is Christopher Daniels who actually does have a pretty influential position within he, the company. He was on. He was in the video at the DDT show announcing the relationship yeah. between DDT and AEW. Yeah. So he clearly seems to be like the the guy that does these kind of Japan relationships. Like he really. Like, he's an office guy in AEW. So that yep. definitely makes it more likely that there might be something more coming out of it. But, yeah, I wouldn't put money on Kento popping up on Dynamite anytime soon. So the reason why I brought up Yuma, both Yumas, Yuma Aoyagi and Yuma Anzai, is that, you know, Tony Khan's talked about he's, he's willing to work with anyone, like, because people were asking him about even working with WWE, and he like tried to say he was open to it, but he didn't think it would happen. What do you think of them just trying to get their tentacles even just a little bit in, in every company in Japan so they can poach talent if they see someone? I mean, could be, because that's very clearly what they're doing with Takeshita right now. Oh, well, do you think Takeshita is staying? I think they're definitely going to try and make a play. I think they're definitely going to try and get him. If they will get him is another question because people are still pretty loyal in Japan. 
But if they poach Takeshita, does everyone else, like not just DDT, but everyone else close ranks? Probably. I mean, Maybe New Japan probably, is probably... Except for New Japan. Yeah, we'll, New Japan yeah. is probably still going to be fine. I think definitely All Japan is going to be a lot more cautious if that happens. And of course, does that burn bridges the cyber fight? Mm, I don't know. I mean, but again, like I feel like they re- like that relationship in the first place felt like a Kenny Omega thing. Yeah, like, it seemed to be very much like led by Kenny Omega because otherwise there haven't really been that many AEW guys popping up in DDT, and it's really only the only other person that has gone the other way is Takeshita. So. To me, I don't think, like, if they can get a, p- a performer on his level, I think they might be willing to burn that relationship to get him. Yeah, and I, what I would just say is that, well, you can debate about DDT attendances with no Takeshita, but even if they offered it, like Kento Miyahara, like, okay, you can come back to the big shows. No, like, all Japan needs him for every yeah. show. They need to draw him for spot shows, so... Yeah. That's also, again, why I'm like, they're probably, like, again, the same with Yuma, because, again, if we're talking about if they turn Kent to heel and then have Yuma as their top face, then they also need Yuma in that position. So then yeah. they're not going to be willing to send him either. I just think, like, they would bring over young guys to, like, sort of give them a little kick of the tire type thing to yeah. see. And that's why I was like, Yuma, Anzai, Yuma, Oyagi... I don't know. No, I wouldn't. I don't know. Hokuto Mori doesn't seem like a TV American no. TV wrestler. Um, who else? Atsuki, maybe. Renayabe actually is someone. Yeah. I mean, he's not, but like an all Japan guy directly. But like again. But he's tall. Exactly. Uh, he can uh, face Satnam Singh. <laughs> yeah, he did someone. Actually, you know what? You know, you know who all Japan can send over to. You oh know who they can send God. over to AEW who can. Maybe if all if AEW wants to take him as well, they can send Drake. Yeah, I thought you were going to say AEW should send Satnam Singh to All Japan for some training. <laughs> I mean, work. that's not the worst idea either. He's not the worst tall non-Japanese guy that they've brought in. No, no, not at all. Um, so yeah, well, yeah, you can have Jay. <laughs> Which is why I said like Jake should be the NXT. Yeah, just Japan make that well. a talented change. Like sometimes Singh versus against Jake Lee, and then just swap him. All right. So next up, question from Andy at Trilly Robinson: If you could do a straight up three versus for three trade between the rosters to improve them from company and wrestler perspective, who would you move and why? Well, I thought about this because the problem here is that All Japan's roster is so like not as deep as Noah's. So I came up with this wild idea. Shuji Ishikawa, Hikaru Sato, and Izanagi for Yoshiki Inamura, Yasutaku Yano, and Seki Yoshioka. So you trade two big guys, or one big guy for one big guy, and then I trade out some of the older juniors for younger juniors. I don't know. Um, I try not to be so ridiculous and steal, like, you know, Kaito, Inamura, and, like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um... Maybe what I would do, like one person that I would maybe, but that would definitely send from uh, Noah to All Japan would be Kenya Okada. Because I think that's actually like, that's an improvement from, for All Japan and it's also an improvement for Kenya. I mean, maybe not anymore, given that he is now in the N1 and maybe what comes out of it. But like just based off, like, let's just say prior to him being in the N1, I think that's definitely an improvement for him, for his situation. 
then to Noah, I would send Takao Mori, uh, because I think that would be like, because he is kind of a Noah, like not a Noah original, but he's one of the like original Noah guys, basically, I think makes more way of saying it. So I think that would be like interesting to to him to have like one last run there. Um, then as well from all Japan to Noah, uh, I would maybe send someone. I mean, the question is as well: Is this going to be a permanent thing, or is this just for like a quick run and then they come back? Yeah, that 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 would affect it, I suppose. Yeah, because for example, I would maybe like send someone like Omori, uh, like uh, Hukuto Omori as well to Noah. To give him like because he's never really done much outside of all Japan, so I think just like he has never done like an excursion or anything like Dragon that. Dragon Gate show. So just give him like a quick run in Noah to get like a fresh perspective. I think would really help him. Um, then as well, sending the other way from Noah to all Japan, uh, I would maybe send someone like uh, yeah, actually Seiki Yoshioka actually would be a really interesting one. Because I think he could. Because be I don't think they're ever going to push him more than they already yeah. have. I just get that feeling. They gave him the gold watch title run, and that's yeah. it. I don't think he's really going to do much else. Um, actually, uh, well, I would maybe send Hideki, <laughs> but just because I want to see Hideki <laughs> work in all Japan. Um, and then maybe going the other way from all Japan to Nova, one more guy. Um, but. Again, that's really the problem where the the older pen roster just isn't that deep. Uh, I would actually, again, if this is just like a quick excursion thingy rather than like a full like switch, I would maybe like send Honda as well for like a quick run. Yeah, actually, I think he would yeah. be in there. Well, so yeah. I think like because like maybe yeah, as you said, like sending an Amor the other way, but I, I kind of want to see those two against each other. Or even team. Yeah. Because, yeah, teaming actually would be even better. Yeah, that would actually be really cool. For sure. And then so next question from Ewan Taylor at Slurm316. While attendance restrictions are still an issue for Japanese promotions, what is the benefit of groups like All Japan running the Budokan when they are struggling to get fans into Corrigan Hall? Surely this must be a big financial loss to run such a big building. Well, there's a couple possibilities. Uh, First of all, there's probably a discount on the Budokan, uh, even though some, I don't know what the actual attendance restrictions are but at the same time it's like Budokan was a major like you know martial arts thing and it was martial arts tournament featuring international talent and it's also a very famous concert hall uh, where there's been a number of like live from Budokan albums like yeah. Bob Dylan and Cheap Trick both have live from Budokan albums like the Beatles played there so they're not getting those type of uh, musical acts in there so there's um obviously going to be a reason to make a deal also it's quite possible that this is a sponsored show and the sponsors are going to take a role in selling the tickets so carbell Udo is shelling up for the budokan is also a very big possibility yeah i mean yeah i mean really as i summed it up like it's really a prestige thing like budokan like i don't think it's yeah, really it's known like i don't think show. people outside of japan really know how much of a big deal it is to run budokan like that yeah. just is like it's like if you ask like up and coming Japanese artists what their dream is, their dream is to perform in Budokan. So it really is just kind of a thing where like as a promotion, even if you take a bit of a bath or even if you lose out, like it's a 50th anniversary show, you can't run that out of Korokan. Like 
that just is not a reasonable thing. Like even if all Japan is like significantly diminished from what it used to be, like that would just be humiliating to run your 50th anniversary out and of like doing sumo hall at the 50th anniversary wouldn't feel no. right. Like Budokan, that's the event. Like and you can't run like if all Japan was still like decently sized, they might even try to run like Tokyo Dome, but like they're way too small for that now. So Budokan really is like it's a highly prestigious venue. Did you still, if you put on a good card, you have a decent chance of selling out just based off of the fact that it's your 50th anniversary? Mm-hmm. I would say that the goal is, is would you consider 3,000 good or disappointment because it's the 50th? I don't really have a good feeling for what All Japan actually can draw. Because again... We know that Noah can draw this, but they've generally drawn better than Noah in Korokan. But in theory, all well, Noah yeah, just has so many, so much more budget than them that they should just easily outdraw them. Yeah. So yeah, I would say. Well, that's exactly how Noah started out drawing all. Well, the pandemic happened, but it was clear that it was probably going to yeah. happen with the cyber fight behind them. Because in 2019, like all Japan drew about 84,000 people in total that year, and and um, Noah drew about 56,000, and that's including doing 5,000 at Sumo Hall. But the thing was that the All Japan spot shows were considerably draw- outdrawing Noah spot shows. I mean, even as recently as 2019, there were still like 150 people at Noah spot shows, whereas like All Japan would do a small spot show would still be 250. But three, 400, 500 even at spot shows would be a much more regular occurrence for All Japan than Noah. Yeah. And then uh, from Patrick at, at Shut Up Patrick, Patrick with a K, uh, is Kento just Sting but with people turning on him being justified? Well, we discussed this. That makes him Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, Sting's naive. Um, you know, I think it's an, it's sort of funny, though, if you consider how long he's been doing that, though. Yeah, no, I mean... Yeah. Right? And under, under normal circumstances... Six year because it's been over six years now, six and a half years since he first won the Triple Crown. That almost like if things were different, like a heel turn would be a lot more justifiable. But it's but it's just that like the pandemic happened and the company has been unable to really make another draw is why I'm so nervous about this sort of thing. Uh, yeah, no, it is definitely concerning. But yeah, I mean, as we talked about, he's just Hulk Hogan, like. He's not Sting, he's Hulk Hogan. Like, he's also drawing, so, like, he can't be Sting. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Uh, yep, yeah, uh, which is something that... It's sort of funny, though, because everyone seems to be a Sting fan, but he never was really that big of a draw outside of the start yeah. of 97. No, I, I like Sting, angle. but, like, and especially now, like, it's really interesting to see that he's, like, him as this, this like, old man still taking like wild bumps like all the time it's kind of nuts to see but like he was just he was never really a big draw great performer though like great performer no well i mean early wcw numbers should tell you all really unfortunately what sting really was a draw most of his career outside of a couple of moments next question from dylan fox of the eastern lariat at viva underscore zero who would be your picks for having the greatest singles junior and heavyweight title reigns in noah history well for the heavyweight title i think it's obviously still to this day kobashi yep. i would say goes reign in 2020 2021 
might be might be number two, honestly. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that as well, and I was like a very quickly settled on the Kobashi reign as well. Um, yeah, second one might actually be more interesting to discuss as well. <laughs> and I might also... I'm going to go with that, Go, because yeah. I'm trying to think. There was some bleak years. There was a lot of short reigns, especially in like the early 2010s, and then you get into the Suzuki guns. I mean, the first Kaito reign actually is an interesting thing. Want to talk about that as well. Well... I don't think so because I don't think he was at the level that um, – now, I know Dylan does, and he will get angry at me at that at this one. But I still think – like I think back to that Keno versus uh, um, uh, Kaido match at Sumo Hall in, was it November 2019? Uh, like that uh, – Yeah, November, yeah, 2nd of November. That, meant, that match went 30, 35 minutes, and I thought it just went way too long for like – Kaido's experience level at that time. It wasn't until he lost the title that I... I mean, look, I always thought Kaido was a very good worker and clearly, like, this guy's going to be a future megastar, but he was always, like, a three and a half, three point seven five 3.75 wrestler when you sort of expect the GHC, you know, champion to be, like, a four-star wrestler at least. Yeah. But now I think Kaido's the best worker on the roster, <laughs> so... He's definitely up there, yeah. It's... Uh... It's 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 actually going to be interesting. Like to me, it's still the Kobashi reign right now. But I'm really curious if they actually if this actually goes the way we think it is with Kaito winning the title from Kano in January, and then if he has a really long reign after that, I think that might well, then, have yeah, a chance to definitely... challenge the Kobashi reign. Absolutely, for sure. Um, and then for Junior, I would go with Kenta's first reign. He when he won, he beat um, Kano, Yoshinobu Kanemaru at the Noah Destiny show. Uh, there were some really great matches in that reign. There was a great match against Suwa. There was a match against Low Key in Ring of Honor. And oh, who else did he defend against? Oh, and his he lost the title to Sugera in another really good match. And like it was a pretty sizable long reign too, because um, a lot of the other junior title got tended to like bounce around a lot more. So to me, that was probably the best one. Yeah, see, I'm certainly yeah. better than anything recently. See, I'm actually going with the just prior reign. Like I'm going with the man that he beat for that title. I'm actually going with Kanemaru's third reign with the title, just prior to the Kenta reign, because there's a lot of like I think it's kind of underrated. There's a lot of amazing stuff in there because he beats Liger for the title in like an absolute like great match at the Tokyo Dome. Uh, then the match where he loses it to Kenta, that's great. And then there's like a lot of like really good title defenses against like Segura and Loki in there as well. And that was yeah. like, and they're like so, kind of the same length as well. So like, again, they're both like two fairly lengthy reigns when that was like really like, it was like a really interesting period of stability for the title, as you said, because it's just been bouncing around so much otherwise. Yeah, because I was looking at the title lineage and it was like, you know, 130, 140 mm -hmm. days in between, and then they both had, like, year-long yeah. reigns. And then our final question comes from Boston Tony at Tony McGill 14 Overall thoughts on All Japan booking decisions. Where do we go from here? Well, we sort of talked about this from the bit. I think still, at the end of the day, you can make a business case that you had to do Suwama versus Kento at the Budokan. I'm not convinced 100% on that. I think you could have built up Yuma to be in the main event if you had done it properly. And I think going from here, 
Well, I think as soon as that Budokan show is over, you got to pivot to, you know, back to Yuma, back to, you know, hopefully Naomi Nomura is with the company full time. And I think those are your guys that you go with. Also, you can start moving up Honda. And it's sort of, we sort of forget him now, even though I was so, so high on him. Ashino, I think he should be in the mix. And then I think you can move him up there if, you know, afterwards, because what is Kento going to defend against Ishikawa and Suwama? Well, he, he's going to be he's like, you know, Kento's running out of challengers and he's going to be champion yeah. again. So it's going to be very important to like start moving that young talent up. And that's really going to be to me, their top priority after Budokan. And they've got like a rookie debuting in the Saito brothers returning. So, you know, I think it's hopefully that's what they do. Cause they, gives them a really good opening start fresh after Budokan yeah what I'm actually wondering about now is maybe if the return of Nomura has actually changed their booking plans because maybe they actually had the plan to have Yuma in the main event here but then because Yuma was doing the stuff with Nomura that maybe that changed their plans yeah that's very possible because um, I think Actually, I didn't, we didn't discuss this. I think no more is going to the finals oh, against yeah. Kanto in the yeah, 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 yeah. That to me is also seems to be pretty. And like they're going to do like no more of us, no more in the semifinals. Oh, you think you think Takuya is beating Jake? Eh? I could definitely see that happening. I I had it as uh, Jake versus. I mean, Nomura. yeah, I could see that happening as well. But I just really want to see no more of us, no Because have they had? Did they have a match since? Because they had a match. Like years, yeah, it was, like yeah, an, it was opening an opening match, match on uh, mm-hmm. on a big Japan sumo hall on a big Japan sumo hall show. Yeah. Oh, I mean that would be an incredible match yeah. if they go with it. And I think because Jake so, right yeah. now doesn't just doesn't feel important at all, so I think it's fine if you like if he loses to Takuya. Well, yeah, but I I think Yuma and Jake are going to the finals or either winning the real world tag league. Yeah. So again, you don't need to have Jake like in the semifinals here even if he's like doing a tag run afterwards that's true too yeah and what i guess we're on since we're on the topic do you think yuji nagata might be challenging for the tag titles at budokan with someone i could see that happening although because i think he's beaten mm, nashino i could see that happening but at the same time i'm also kind of thinking if we could see Taru and uh, Kono challenge for the belts. If they do oh, if they God. do Black Tiger versus Tiger Mask and they're doing Suwama versus Kento, then it would then the tag title match would be like the only one without uh, Voodoo Murderer's involvement. So Yeah. I could see that happening That's too. That's also Yep. Anyway, so yeah, I, there's a lot to happen that could happen in all Japan, but I hope they're careful <laughs> and well thought out with, with what they do about it. All right, Paul, uh, that's all the questions. Do you have any uh, final thoughts or anything at all? At no, all? nothing right now. It's I'm just really looking forward now what, that we get into the N1. I'm really looking forward to that tournament. I think it, it's a really yeah. good roster. Let, let's be honest, it could be better than it the G1. It could actually be better than the G1. Uh, it's a really good roster. Uh, and if they deliver, I think that could be really amazing. And I mean, they haven't announced it yet, but I'm still holding. I'm 
I'm holding out hope that maybe we'll get maybe like cheering for the finals or something. So maybe at some point um, people have to be allowed yeah. to cheer again in Japan. I don't know. Hopefully sometime in well, the next it, four years. I thought I read something, and this is a couple of weeks ago, but like the 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 peak of this latest um, wave is supposed to like end in the um, middle of August or so. So maybe in September things will be a little yeah. better. Oh, and that's what we should say. Like people are a lot of people are getting COVID right now. Uh, so. Fingers crossed that nobody's big shows get fucked. Yeah, up. or the tournament as well, because New Japan just yeah. had a close call there with uh, with Jay White. Yeah. So yeah, that could still rear its ugly head, unfortunately. Yeah. All right, so that's it for uh, this week. This episode, we'll be back talking about more Royal Road and into the first few nights of the N1. So for Paul Vosch, I'm Gerard Detroit, and we'll see you in about two weeks.